Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The biblical account of the wedding in Cana is significant from a few different perspectives. The simple fact that Jesus would perform his first miracle at a wedding is one. Weddings were major events in the lives of Israelites. This went back to the fact that marriage was highly esteemed in their religious culture and faith, as it is in ours, and expressed the relationship they had with God as his people. We see this in the imagery used that depicted their faithfulness to God and also their lack of the same. Cana is significant because of its seeming insignificance. It is in the area of Galilee, but there is some doubt as to where exactly this may have taken place. But it takes place on the third day after Jesus has gathered disciples into himself. One of them was Nathanael, who at the end of the previous chapter in John was told about Jesus by his brother Philip. Philip told him they had found the one Moses had written about, and the one the prophets too, that he was Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Nathaniel was not so impressed. As a matter of fact, he stated, Nazareth, can anything good from, come from there? Philip simply told him, come and see. He did. And Jesus let it be known that, in fact, Jesus had seen him first, as Nathaniel sat beneath an olive tree. Before Philip came and found him, Jesus had seen him and had knowledge of him, even in that location. Nathaniel, even after being told something about himself that Jesus should not have been able to know, proclaimed, you are God's son, you are Israel's king. In this out-of-the-way area in Galilee, in Cana, Jesus, his new disciples, and his mother are invited to a wedding. In this most festive of times, it becomes known to Jesus' mother that the host has run out of wine, a most unfortunate and embarrassing occurrence for the host. It's really not her concern. We are not told of any direct relationship between her or any of them, for that matter, and the wedding party. Mary, in some way, knows Jesus can solve this problem, but she receives rebuke from him for inferring that Jesus should intervene. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. It's similar to the young Jesus' response to his parents in the temple when he was delayed coming back from the Passover. And they go looking for him. And he says, did you not know I would be in my father's house? A statement of fact, yes, his identity was, was shown not so much a rebuke, though. Mary simply tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. Some see this response as one of faith, much like that of the Pharaoh of Egypt, who commanded his people to do whatever Joseph commanded in preparation for the famine that he had seen in Pharaoh's dreams. It was faith that believed that the right thing would be done by, by the one faith was placed in faith placed in Jesus. In the rebuke, Jesus was not disrespecting his mother, but he does honor her request 
as his earthly mother, keeping the fourth commandment. There are six stone jars nearby that are being used for Jewish purification rites. This so that even during the wedding feast, the demand of the Jewish law could be kept through washing of hands before and after and eating and cleansing of utensils and the like. Jesus tells the servants to fill the jars with water and following his mother's words to do whatever he tells you, they do it. Now, Jesus says, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And the master is astonished. Everyone knows you open the good bottle of wine, scotch, or bourbon at the beginning of the party to impress your guests. And then, after some consumption has taken place, you go to the other stuff. The what? The well brands. When the difference is less likely to be noticed. Point. It was so vastly superior to what had been previously served first or last. It was noticed, even after what was probably days of celebration. The master of the feast and his groom saved face through this gift of splendid wine. But there was more. After Nathanael had been called by Jesus and made his confession of who Jesus was, Jesus said to him, because I said, you, said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe in me? You will see greater things than these. What they saw was the glory of God displayed in his Son. Wine was a fitting sign to manifest his glory. Having and drinking wine was a sign of peace in the Old Testament. You did not have wine when being pursued by armies or taking into captivity. It was a promise that went along with the restoration of Israel and the ensuing peace that would result from that restoration. Wine was something that took time to cultivate and make. It was part of the blessing of peaceful times. Amos 9.14, like many other passages, expressed this thought. It says, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. These are not things you can do in troubled times. This is in reference to the restoration of Israel after the exile and also the eschatological or end-time restoration of the true Israel, the Christian church. With the word now, Jesus declared that this time was begun and had come. The law they sought to fulfill with jars of water in their own actions would be fulfilled in Jesus with the shedding of his own blood for the forgiveness of all sins. The sign of the wine at the wedding in Cana was a sign that peace was coming where strife had been. War was soon to be over and victory was to come, not over earthly powers, but over the power of evil, death, and the devil, a power that sought to kill the soul and separate it eternally from God. The embarrassment that the master of the wedding feast may have endured is nothing compared to the shame we have in our sins before our all-holy God. Shame that the devil would love to keep before our eyes so that we would see ourselves unworthy of anything that God might have for us. But for all the goodness that was present in that wonderful wine, it cannot compare 
with the overflowing grace and mercy shown to us in the shedding of Christ's blood and his death on the cross. His blood shed for our sins to cleanse our guilty consciences so that we can again take our place as his bride. For those at the wedding, their righteousness was in the washing that was done in the water that was contained in the jars. What Jesus did was turn it into a sign of what was to come and show himself to be the Son of God, Jesus, who would save his people, his bride, from their sins. In this small, seemingly insignificant town, at a wedding of unnamed people, Jesus showed himself to be the Son of God by the first of many signs, and his disciples believed in him. Today in this place, Jesus shows us his signs, the marks of his church, in his word that is heard, in his sacraments that are received, and in our sins forgiven. In this seemingly insignificant and increasingly marginalized place, along with other churches that confess the truth of Jesus and give his true gifts to his people, Jesus is among his people, his disciples like you and me, and we believe and we confess. We are nameless to the world, and they have no concern for us. Yet Jesus comes into our midst and gives us the gift of his body and his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and it goes largely unnoticed by the world around us. We are in the wedding feast now. We are tasting the most excellent wine and enjoying the peace we have with God, our Father, in the forgiveness of our sins. It is a peace that is a shadow of the peace to come in the last day when we will see Jesus face to face. But it is no less real than that day will be. After the wedding, where his disciples believed, Jesus went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Imagine the awe that must have filled them in those days following their seeing what Jesus had done. He was with his extended family that had faith in him, and he is with us now and always as we gather to hear his word and receive his gifts. He goes with us by his Holy Spirit to be with us in our daily lives, helping us to never forget what we have seen and heard and to keep us in this faith. I imagine that the guests at the wedding in Cana wished they had the best wine that was saved for last, and that it would never run out, that the drinking and feasting with that wine could have gone on forever. It does here in this place. Here in this little place, we enjoy the eternal forgiveness of our sins and fellowship with God as his children, even as we await the greater feast of heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may this peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. <clears throat>